This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Or a curse, you're still gonna buy it. Why? Because every 60 seconds in this world, a delightful phenomenon takes place which absolutely guarantees it. There is a sucker born every minute. Each time that second hand sweeps through the top like dandelions up, they pop their ears so big, their eyes so wide and low. I feed them bona fide baloney with no truth in it. Why, you can bet I'll find some room to buy my corn. Cause there's a sure as shooting sucker born a minute And I'm referring to the minute you was born Each blessed hour brings 60 of them Each time that wooden cuckoo shows his face Another sucker takes his place Plunks his quarter on the line to buy my brand of genuine malarkey God bless and love them But don't feel sad or hot Born a minute, but man, you might have been the minute in between. If I allow the right here in my hands, the smallest living human man, the sight of that is surely worth a dime. If I present an educated pooch who's trained to dance the hoochie cooch, what better way to waste a bit of time? If I imported monumental cost, a lady fair whose head was lost while crossing railroad tracks to pick some seniors. Weeks Farina through a hose and wears pink tights instead of clothes. If that ain't worth a buck, my name ain't Phineas. I say that's hogwash. Well, who cares? You mind my hogwash long as there's a sucker born every minute. Each time that second hand sweeps through the top like dandelions, up they pop their ears so big, their eyes so wide, and though my tail is bona fide baloney, just let me spin it. And ain't no man who can resist me waiting. Whoa, what a finish. What a finish. Backstage, you are with us. I'm Mel. He's Mike. Uh, welcome to another episode. I really enjoyed that track. <laughs> kind of lively, eh? Yeah, yeah. That was a great <laughs> opening number from the musical Barnum. There's a track called There's a Sucker Born Every Minute. There is a sucker born every minute. I feel like I was one of them. Um, but that was really catchy. I really enjoyed that. Um, if you weren't with us last week, we talked a little bit about slurs on stage. Yep. We talked about Sherlock Holmes, which yep. I'm in. Yes. We talked about geezers and Saturday Night Fever. Oh my gosh, we covered everything. Yeah, we covered mostly ourselves. Yeah. Uh, um, so we didn't. We, I, I promise we talked more than just about ourselves. We also covered Six, the musical, which I we, also enjoyed. Yeah, I loved that. Mm. Uh, and it was great to do the research on it. It um, taught me a lot about it. And um, as a concept, I love the idea. So I, it's a show I'd like to see. I'd like to see it. I feel like it's a good one for small. I was going to say small, but Hamilton's not really small for a town like ours. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great on the, on stage at the Meteor. Not so. a huge cast. Yeah, it would be an ideal um, show to have in a black box space like that. And yeah. um, the music. As you heard last week, really good stuff. You know, not kind of contemporary. I mean, kind of contemporary, very contemporary. Yeah. Uh, in the style of the um, Skylar Sisters from Hamilton, the kind of stuff they do in these yeah. songs, and uh, really, 
I, I just thought it was a great yeah. um, detour from our normal kind of run-of-the-bull kind of musical kind of stuff. I agree, and you're mixing it up again, as we said, with I am. Barnum this week, which mm. is Musical of the Week, Mike's Choice. Mm. Um, he'll tell us why in a little bit. But I know we've just riffed on Saturday Night Fever already, but the cast has been announced now. Mm. It hadn't been the last time we spoke. Yeah, we just had a few T's to cross and I's to dot. You know how it goes when yep. you're doing that kind of thing. It's um, it's always one of those uh, balancing acts. I mean, so many people that um, auditioned. We had uh, about 50-something people audition for what amounted to about 28, 30 slots. That's nuts. It is. And That's it actually means, nuts for a Christmas show. It means we saw some really good people yeah. that, um, for a variety of reasons, we just weren't able to cast and we're always... Sorry about that, but it yeah. was great great for us as a creative team to have so much choice. And we tried to uh, do justice to the concept of what the show is about yeah. and to get people that um, would work well together, look good together, all that kind of stuff, and uh, pull it all together. And I think we, we got a pretty good balance. Yeah, nice. Jotty Climo in the lead is Tony. Yeah. Exciting for him. Uh, he and I have worked on a few projects in the past, and uh, uh, you might say, well, he's a friend of mine, so that's yeah. why I got the wrong. He didn't. He, we put him through his paces, as we did with everybody. Of course. We needed somebody who could uh, be a triple threat, sing, yep. dance, act. And he can dance, can he? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. And, um, you know, we, we put everybody through a pretty rigorous process to, to get there, and it was a unanimous choice nice. by the creative team to go with the cast that we have. Oh, wonderful. And Jody's a relative newcomer. We've had him on the show, and um, he's immersed himself so quickly into so many things. Um, but he is going to be a great leading man, and uh, I think people will enjoy what the whole cast has to offer because we've got a real mix of talents and some really interesting ideas that we're working on in terms of choreography and set design. Mm. I think as a Christmas show, it's going to be one that will live in people's memory. At least I hope it will. For the I'm right a little reasons. sad I'm, I'm working on it because it actually would be a cool one to, you know, get to get the friends together and go out and enjoy for a night. Yeah. Well, we hope it'll be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, looking forward to seeing that and looking forward to seeing you get your hands into a musical. Mm. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, so I've also been thinking a little bit about uh, what is it that makes a non-theatre doer see or do theatre? Oh, okay. Interesting idea. Uh, well, I've got a few friends, you know, who will go and see theatre every now and then and really enjoy it when they do. Um, I've got a friend or a few friends that have done one show or another show, but they haven't sort of continued. Mm. And I'm just interested, and they would consider themselves non-theatre doers, not, you know, not like us. Uh, so what makes those theatre doers... So people who aren't motivated to get involved? Yeah. Yeah. Still want to go and see something. Yeah, or still, or still want to go see it. Why do they want to go see it? Why? What is it that brings them into the theatre on those rare occasions? I have people around me here mm. at work, one person I can name in particular, yeah. who doesn't understand musical theatre. Philip. <laughs> but he, he comes to see everything that I do, yeah. because he, he wants to support mm. what I do. Um, and he's grown to like a few things you know came yeah. to see blood brothers and uh, was kind of blown away by that yeah and i think uh, probably the most challenging thing was to go and see um sweeney todd mm. earlier this year yeah it's pretty hard going for it anybody a, who's not into musical theater it is a challenging musical but there's one of your answers for you people go to support those of us who do yes that's true that, and i think thing. that's probably a big contributing yeah. factor and there are people who will go and see a play but not necessarily want to go see a musical yeah. and vice versa yeah 
from an entertainment perspective, just like people will gravitate towards a certain genre of Matter movies of on Netflix or whatever. They, mm. Yeah. No accounting for some people just wanting to get a bit of escapism. And if it's done well, they'll keep coming back to see local talent perform, yeah. which I think is great. I agree. Couldn't agree more. But it is weird when you get it within a family, though. You know, when you, I've seen so many families where mum and dad are involved in theatre in one way or another. Perhaps mum's on stage, dad's doing set building or something yeah. like that, or vice versa. Yeah. And uh, kids get involved and suddenly, you know, you've got a, a theatre family. Yeah. We're, we're surrounded by them in many places. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've all met them. But we're also uh, surrounded by people who uh, whose partners and extended family and so on get what it's about but just don't do it that's it that's mm. yeah that's it and i'm so intrigued by those people everyone who's not us i guess yeah you're uh, trying to figure out why uh, what makes those people tick yeah I, I guess i'm just interested to talk because we do a lot of talking about people who do theater people who see theater a lot people who make theater whether it's that's what our thing that's what we talk about mm. but i'm interested I think particularly of John O'Freebian's wife, Sharon, who would especially not consider herself a theatre person, despite having done a few shows. Mm. Um, and I just sort of, I imagine the conversation I might have with her, and maybe it should be worth getting in actually, um, just to talk to a non-theatre doer and see what it is that tickles her fancy when it does tickle her fancy. Uh, it would be also really interesting to talk to somebody who has kind of like a secret ambition that it's mm-hmm. something they and their wildest dreams could imagine themselves trying sometime, but they're just too scared to do it. But haven't yet. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. yeah. feel like they're not up to it. That's it. The non-theatre doers. I don't think Sharon fits into that category. No. Uh, she understands theatre and she has been a, surrounded by it. She That's just right. maybe has made that choice. Yeah, I think, I think in her case she absolutely has. Don't forget too, Melissa, mm. that <laughs> when we are involved in community theatre, it is quite a commitment of time. It is. And for some of us, you know, one project leads to another and suddenly you find that all of 2022 is spoken for or 2023. Cough, Mike. Cough <laughs> and Mel. And cough. <laughs> and that's easy easy to let something like that happen in your life and not everybody wants to go there. Yeah, you're not wrong. And but it is hard to juggle. We need to impress upon people, though, that it really is kind of, you know, you, you cut the cloth according to what you want to do. And I, I know people who just do one show every year or two years. Yeah, same. You don't have to dive in balls deep like yeah. we do. Yeah. Like, because, like, like the idiots that we are. <laughs> um, but I guess this all leads me to um, a, a few wise words from our next little clip. Ethan Hawke, award-winning film actor and theatre actor as well. Um, it's about being creative. I'm going to bring you that in just a moment, but before we do that, I just want to play one more track, if I may. Oh, please do. From our musical of the week this week, it is Barnum, and uh, this is The Prince of Humbug, which kind of tells you what P.T. Barnum was all about. The Prince of Humbug, ball the dash, fiddle-faddle, dribble-tosh, twiddle-twaddle, glabber-bosh, bilge and dodge and double-dutch. Emperor of Rigmarole, that I am 
peacock. Piffle waffle pat a junk, hokum hoobie chat a bunk, wile and guile and trumpery. That's me. In a world of sting and shock, this moment we spend. Down a road of ridge and rock, toward Lord knows what end. Through a night as dark as space and cold as the sea. Someone's got to make it bright, shoot a rocket, shine a light, tell you who the someone's gonna be. The Prince of Humbug. Tongue in cheek, shilly shally, pull the wool, blarney, bogus cock and bull, hopes and prank and hanky pang and some skullduggery. Because you enjoyed the opening track so much, I wanted to just give you that as well from Jim Dale, who played P.T. Barnum in the original Broadway production. That is the original Broadway cast, and that track, uh, The Prince of Humbug. It's just so energetic and so, wow, there's this guy, a three-ring circus right there in one person. I have to admit, when we pull out these musicals, I often it's not often I feel... You know, like I really enjoy every single track that gets played that mm. we play. Um, but I've enjoyed both of those. I'm oh, there's more to come. Yeah, I'm surprised Trust I didn't me, know more it. To come. Anyway, back to your thing before um, you mentioned Ethan Hawke. What's the context? I did. So, you know, I was talking about non theatre doers. I'm talking about, I guess, advice for people. And you sort of brought up people who haven't taken the plunge yet. Um, advice for creatives, advice for people that want to express themselves in a creative way. Uh, some wise words from actor Ethan Hawke. I was hoping today to talk a little bit about creativity. You know, a lot of people really struggle to give themselves permission to be creative. And reasonably so. I mean, we're all a little suspect of our own talent. And I remember... Uh, a story I came across in my early 20s that kind of meant a lot to me. I was really into Allen Ginsberg, and I was reading his poetry, and I was reading, uh, he did a lot of interviews. And uh, one time, William F. Buckley had this television program called Firing Line. And Ginsberg went on there and sang a, a Hare Krishna song while playing the harmonium. You know, and he got back to New York to all his intelligentsia friends, and they all told him, does she know that everybody thinks you're an idiot? And the whole country is making fun of you. And uh, he said, that's my job. You know, I'm a poet, and I'm going to play the fool. Most people have to go to work all day long, and they come home, and they fight with their spouse, and they eat, and they, like, turn on the old boob tube, and somebody tries to sell them something. And I just screwed all that up. I went on and I sang about Krishna. And now they're sitting in bed and going, who, who, who's this stupid poet? And they can't fall asleep, right? And that's his job as a poet. And so I find that very liberating because I think that most of us really want to offer the world something of quality, something that the world will consider good or important. And that's really the enemy because it's not up to us whether what we do is any good. And if history's taught us anything, the world is an extremely unreliable critic, right? So you have to ask yourself, do you think human creativity matters? Well, hmm, most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about poetry, right? 
they have a life to live and they're not really that concerned with Allen Ginsberg's poems or anybody's poems until their father dies. They go to a funeral, you lose a child. Um, somebody breaks your heart, they don't love you anymore. And all of a sudden you're desperate for making sense out of this life. And has anybody ever felt this bad before? How did they come out of this cloud? Or the inverse, something great. Um, you meet somebody and your heart explodes. You love them so much you can't even see straight. You know, you're dizzy. Did anybody feel like this before? What is happening to me? And that's when art's not a luxury, it's actually sustenance. We need it. Okay, well, what is it? Human creativity is nature manifest in us. We look at the, um, oh, the Aurora Borealis, right? I did this movie called White Fang when I was a kid and we shot up in Alaska and you go out at night and the sky was like rippling with purple and pink and white. And it's the most beautiful thing I ever saw. It really looked like the sky was playing. Beautiful. Go to Grand Canyon at sundown. It's beautiful. We know that's beautiful. But fall in love, your lover's pretty beautiful. I have four kids watching them play, watching them like pretend to be a butterfly or run around the house or doing anything. It, it, it's so beautiful. And I believe that we are here on this star in space to try to help one another, right? And first we have to survive and then we have to thrive. And to thrive, to express ourselves. All right, well, here's the rub. We have to know ourselves. What do you love? And if you get close to what you love, who you are is revealed to you and it expands. For me, it was really easy. I did my first professional play as 12 years old. I was in a play called St. Joan by George Bernard Shaw at the McCarter Theater and boom, I was in love. My world just expanded. And that profession, I'm almost 50 now, that profession has never stopped giving back to me and it gives back more and more, mostly strangely through the characters that I've played. I've played cops, I've played criminals, I've played priests, I've played sinners. And the magic of this it, over a lifetime, over 30 years of doing this, is that you start to see that my experiences, me, Ethan, is not nearly as unique as I thought. I have so much in common with all these people. And so they have something in common with me. You start to see how connected we all are. My grandmother, my great-grandmother, Della Hall Walker Green, um, on her deathbed, she wrote this little biography in the hospital. And it was only about 36 pages long. And she spent about five pages on the one time she did costumes for a play. Her first husband got like a paragraph, right? Uh, cotton farming, of which she did for 50 years, uh, you know, get, gets a mention. Five pages on doing these costumes. And I looked, my mom gave me um, one of her quilts that she made, and you can feel it. She was expressing herself. And it has a power that's real. I remember my stepbrother and I, went to go see Top Gun, whatever year that came out. And I remember it, it, we walked out of the mall, it was like blazing hot. I just looked at him and we both felt that movie just like a calling from God, you know, this, this film, and, but completely differently. Like I wanted to be an actor. I was like, I gotta make something that makes people feel. I just want to be a part of that. And he wanted to be in the military. You know, that's what all we ever did is play FBI, play army man, play knights, you know, and I'd like pose with my sword. And he would build a working crossbow that you could shoot an arrow into a tree, right? So he joins the army. Well, he just retired uh, 
colonel in the Green Berets. He's a multi-decorated combat veteran of Afghanistan in Iraq. He now teaches a sail camp for children of fallen soldiers. He gave his life to his passion. His creativity was leadership leading others, his bravery to help others. That was something he felt called to do, and it gave back to him. We know this, the time of our life is so short, and how we spend it, are we spending it doing what's important to us? Most of us not. I mean, it's hard, it's hard. The pull of habit is so huge, and that's what makes kids so beautifully creative, is that they don't, they don't have any habits, and they don't care if they're any good or not, right? They're not, you know, they're not building a sandcastle going, I think I'm gonna be a really good sandcastle builder. You know, they just, they throw themselves at whatever project you put in front of them, dancing, doing a painting, you know, building something, any opportunity they have, they try to use it to impress upon you their individuality right? It's so beautiful. It's a thing that worries me sometimes whenever you talk about creativity, because it can have this kind of feel that it's just nice, you know, or it's warm, or it's something pleasant. It's not. It's vital. It's the way we heal each other. In singing our song, in telling our story, in inviting you to say, hey, listen to me, and I'll listen to you, we're starting a dialogue you know, and when you do that, this healing happens and we come out of our corners and we start to witness each other's common humanity. We start to assert it. And when we do that, really good things happen. So if you want to help your community, if you want to help your family, if you want to help your friends, you have to express yourself and to express yourself, you have to know yourself. It's actually super easy. You just have to follow your love, right? There is no path. There's no path till you walk it. And you have to be willing to play the fool. So don't, you know, read the book that you should read. Read the book you want to read. Don't listen to the music that you used to like. You know, take some time to listen to some new music. Take some time to talk to somebody that you don't normally talk to. I guarantee if you do that, you will feel foolish. That's the point. Play the fool. Very inspiring stuff. So moving on, for almost (laughs) 70 years, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap has kept millions of people from every corner of the globe on the edge of their seats. It's been running on the West End apparently for the last 70 years. Uh, As news spreads of a murder in London, a group of seven strangers find themselves snowed in at a remote countryside guest house. When a police sergeant arrives, the guests discover, to their horror, (gasps) that a killer is in their midst. One by one, the suspicious characters reveal their sordid pasts. Which one is the murderer? Who will be their next victim? And can you solve this world-famous mystery for yourself? Uh, So you can book your (laughs) tickets and fill your calendars. Uh, It's coming up twice around the place sooner, so we'll fill you in on that shortly. Here's our non-exhaustive list of what's coming up around the place. Soonish. At the Meteor, that bloody woman directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chuan for Bold Theatre is starting on the 26th, I think it is, of August. I keep saying the 27th, but I think they actually happen on the 26th. I must put those actual dates in there. And then there's not a whole lot of other theatre coming up there for a little while that's I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Rivoli Theatre, Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars, directed by Glenn Matthews. That is on now and runs for four more performances, closing on uh, July the 16th. Happy to see you tomorrow night, Chicken. 
I, I think you're going to have a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, Geezers is directed by our Mike for Hamilton Playbox also. That's August 20th till September the 3rd. And Saturday Night Fever, as we've just talked about, uh, also directed by Mike. That's on stage in November with on, tickets on sale right now. And we've already they've already sold tickets. So, yeah, closing uh, it on the first 100 sales. At that rate, mm. uh, better, get your, better get your tickets quick. Yeah. Clarence Street Theatre, Shrek the Musical, directed by Nick Wilkinson, is opening July the 19th, running to the 23rd, and Christian's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc., September the 8th to the 10th. For the very last time. At Navarra Lounge, open mic night tonight and every Wednesday. Doors open at 6pm, but bookings to perform are essential. You can get in touch with Ivan through their Facebook page. Local Artists Live. Bird Machine, that's tomorrow, Thursday at 8pm. And Jason Kerrison's Someone You Should Love Tour, that's this Friday at 7pm. Woolshed Theatre in Tawamutu, the Farndale Avenue Housing Estate Towns Women's Guild Dramatic Society's production of Macbeth, <gasps> presented by Talos, is coming up in September. Great series of plays under that banner of the Farndale Avenue Housing Estate Towns Women's Guild Dramatic Society's production of dot dot dot. Whatever. Yeah. And they're all, all the same sort of idea of, you know, plays going wonky. I love it. It's good re- stuff. It's really annoying, but it's also really good. <laughs> uh, Te Aroha Little Theatre have Death and Taxes by April Phillips. That opens on July 21st. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, getting close enough for The Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell, and that's directed by Chrissy Hodkinson, opens July the 30th, running to August 13th. Matamata Dramatic Society uh, hosting The Golden Ass, by, starring Michael Hurst. That is one night only on July 23rd. Potaruru Theatre players have The Mousetrap, which we've just been talking about. Vintage Ake of the Christie coming up in September. Rotorua Musical Theatre have Streaking Through the 70s. That's getting closer now too. Uh, directed by Shona Clout, opening this weekend and running until July the 30th. Onofero Society of the Performing Arts is also hosting The Golden Ass with Michael Hurst. Their date is July the 30th. Tauranga at 16th Avenue Theatre. Puffs, directed by Laura Mansell, is on stage now and running until the 23rd of July, but I know they've just cancelled their tonight's performance and tomorrow night's performance uh, due to illness in the cast. Also in Tauranga, the Detour Theatre also have The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie coming up, also in September. And Tauranga Musical Theatre are still in rehearsal for We Will Rock You, which is getting closer, hitting the stage in September. September's the month, isn't it? Mm. Theatre Fakatane School of Rock the Musical, directed by Sue Harris, is on right now. That closes uh, July the 9th, actually. I actually think... That's already gone. I think they've just... Just closed this last weekend. Well, they cancelled their last few performances because they had COVID in their cast. Scratch that then. Sorry, as you were. Smoke if you've got them. (laughs) Auckland Theatre Company have Long Day's Journey Into Night by Eugene O'Neill coming up, directed by Shane Bosher. That's on now at Q Theatre and runs until July the 30th. And then Dawn Raids is coming up by Oscar Kitely. That runs August 16th to September the 3rd. Auckland Live have The Wedding Singer, the musical presented by David Venn Enterprises at the Bruce Mason Centre until the 17th. And The Girl from the North Country, wow, that's wowing audiences too, speaking Mm. of wow, presented by GWB Entertainment at the Civic in Auckland. Their closing night is the 16th. By way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, Melanie Ellison is a Waikato-born and bred playwright, shortlisted twice by Play Market, and she's holding auditions for her latest play, Nowhere Baby on Saturday, July 23rd. You can email alisonmelanie55 at gmail.com for more information. And I heard her telling our friend Hannah, mm. oh, that's, the, uh, that's the ticket on Tuesday night, uh, that 
she has confirmed there will be a professional production of that play in Auckland. Oh, good for her. ATC's picked it up. Have they? Oh, good, good for her. Yeah. Uh, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant still taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest. They, they close off on August the 1st. Sandra Jensen, 99 at yahoo.com if you want to get into that. Auditions have also been announced for Grease by Sprouting Rice Productions, directed by Kyle Chewin at Clarence Street, uh, the theatre. Auditions are taking place on Saturday, August the 6th, and you can check out the auditions page on Facebook. Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival are looking for expressions of interest from performers and performance groups with some kind of performance or art, theatre slash music, dance, whatever, to exhibit. Submissions are open until t- uh, Friday, I think, July the 15th. Mm-hmm. You can fill out an expression form on their um, website, hgaf.co.nz. And Thames Music and Drama are auditioning for the play Legacy, written and directed by Christina Walton. Uh, that's tomorrow, July 14th, so, and you can book a slot by checking out the Thames uh, Music and Drama Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much on. Don't forget, if there is a show or audition opportunity that you would like us to spread the word about, email us, text us, call us, poke us in the eye. <laughs> However you want to let us know, we'll send, hear it. Send a letter. Put send, a stamp on it. And send it a letter. Post. I like that. <laughs> send Mike a letter. He's missing the old days. I'm General Fum, just come to town, a Yankee doodle dandy. I've ate your scrapple, washed it down with just a nip of brandy. The mayor made me presents rare, the ladies did salute me. First rate I am, they all declare, and all my poses suit me. My success should open up your eyes. Don't judge nothing just by shape or size. Bigger isn't better, taller isn't braver, stronger isn't always wise. Smaller isn't necessarily the lesser, guts can come in any size. Lady luck can favor, just a little shaver, all for one who's six foot three. Brains in any tussle, mops the floor with muscle, bet your life I'm glad I'm me. Higher might be low inside When you need to lean upon a friendly shoulder Narrow's just as good as wide See the mighty lion sitting there and crying Bitten by a tiny flea Mammoth was colossal, what's he now a fossil? Bet your life I'm glad I'm me Mentally, proven consequently Though he shows your shoulders Twice as big as boulders If the brain's a tiny pea When you're in a pickle He ain't worth a nickel Bet your life I'm glad I'm Bet your life I'm glad I'm me Ladies 
what is what the, they used what? to call a midget back in the days. So yeah, yeah. Not a somebody with dwarfism, but um, oh, not a somebody with dwarfism. Like, yeah, just a very very small person. Yeah. And of course, comparisons, as I said, uh, between the stage show and the, and the film, The Greatest Showman, are kind of blown out of proportion a bit. Mm. But in the middle of the 19th century, this guy, Phineas Taylor Barnum, introduces his circus acts as he stands in front of the tent, complaining that there's a sucker, uh, proclaiming that there's a sucker born every minute. That's how the stage show starts. Uh, he loves spectacle and excitement, using hype and humbug to promote all of his exhibits. Then the curtains pull apart, you know, open up and there's, there's all this performance space. Okay, the story goes that his wife, Charity, urges him to get a job in a factory. You know, get a real job, uh. Phineas. But Barnum refuses and Charity accepts that this disparity between the views is just something she's going to have to live with. He enlists clowns to help in building a museum to house his attractions with ex- all the expected comical results of that. And it's up to Charity to encourage him to keep on going with that. But in the end, the museum burns down accidentally, and all mm-hmm. this is based on fact. Barnum then finds two new star attractions, General Tom Thumb and Jumbo the Elephant. Talk about one extreme to the other. Oh, yeah, okay. Barnum then becomes manager of the famous Swedish opera singer Jenny Lind and becomes enamoured of her and sees the attraction of going on tour with her, which he does, leaving Charity behind. Mm. Although all seems to be going well for Barnum, he finds that without Charity in his life, he's miserable, and he decides to break ties with Jenny and return home to the woman he loves. Upon his return, he promises to live the more sedate life that she is expecting for him. After a failed stint running a clockworks factory and a failed attempt to build his own city... He turns to politics, and when his campaign looks doomed to fail due to lack of interest, Charity realises how important his particular talents and his passions are in his life and allows him and, in fact, encourages him to eject colour and life into his campaign. To great effect, yeah, he ends up elected Mayor of Bridgeport. Yes. And the two of them then realise the value in each other's approach to life and how complementary they are to one another. Barnum is prepared to run for senator after that, all inspired with the idea of being a politician. (laughs) But his beloved charity dies suddenly, leaving Barnum bereft and alone and missing that other half of what made his life complete. When Barnum finds himself cheated of the senatorial nomination by his political party, he laments his position, realises that his talent for humbug will never leave him and wishes to make it right, shoot a rocket, shine a light. Yeah. James Anthony Bailey arrives and offers him the chance to join the circus. Initially resisting, he relents in the end, thanks in part to Charity's two-headed coin, which she often used to humbug him throughout the show. Yeah, right. This is the device they had in the show. Heads, I do this, and you... uh, Heads, you do that. She won all the time. And so he elects in the end to join Bailey, and they form the now world-famous and um, world-renowned circus team of Barnum and Bailey. And that kind of is the arc of the show. It's not just about the stuff that he used to present, but more about the man behind that and what drove him to the decisions he made, how he used his particular talents. It's a little bit more autobiographical than, say, The Greatest Showman, which is just a spectacle, ultimately. Yeah. It's got a nice finish. In what's been termed a princely final attraction, Barnum appears before the audience at the end of the show and reflects on his past, and it goes like this. That was a long time ago And Joyce Heth is gone and forgotten 
And so is the American Museum and the Living Whale and Jenny Lind and my poor Tom Thumb. And them Rubens that came over on the Mayflower have gone to dust. And Tom Jefferson's memory and old Franklin's flown his last kite. So my kind of humbugs disappeared. Pity. There was a sucker born every minute. Each time that second hand swept through the top like dandelions up they pop their ears so big their eyes so wide and the white bed and bone the fight below me with no truth in it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I've got a giant smile on my face because the laughter was really infectious. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about the productions in a moment, but Mm. it was... uh, I just love the, like I said, from the, the first couple of tracks he played, the guy who played P.T. Barnum in the mm. original Broadway production really nailed it. There's a really e- a real energy in his performance, eh? And Even th- just his voice performance. I think if you're going to cast somebody in that role, it really has to be somebody who has that stage presence and that mm. feeling that you want to watch them. Yeah. You can't take your eyes off them when yeah. they're on stage. And they don't have to do a lot to make that happen. They just have to have that magnetism. They just have to have it. See, now Hugh Jackman had that. I on celluloid on the film. Agree, yeah, I agree. And he's a guy that, uh, as a song and dance man, he is a terrific actor, a great song and dance man. He, you know, he, yeah. He does it all and you just keep wanting to watch him. It's so true. He's so good at it. So we must talk about that at some point, actually. What makes somebody watchable? What makes somebody have great stage presence? Maybe we'll talk People about that can, next week. People can do almost nothing but still hold your attention. Yeah. Let's talk about struggle with that. Magnetism. Yeah. Okay. Okay, anyway. We'll look at that. On to the productions. The original Broadway production opened at the St. James Theatre on Broadway, April 30th, 1980. It closed a couple of years later, uh, well, May 1982, so almost exactly two years. 854 performances, 26 previews. It starred Jim Dale as P.T. Barnum and Glenn Close as his wife, Charity Barnum. The rest of the cast I won't worry about for now. During Jim Dale's vacation in May 1981, the part of Barnum was played by Tony Orlando. Now, you're too young for this, but have you <laughs> ever heard of Tony Orlando and Dawn? Knock three times Ah, uh, yes, you know? I have. <laughs> Tie a round ribbon round the old yeah, yeah. tree. Okay. That Tony Orlando oh, got okay. into musical theatre. Okay. And as a male singer for a pretty meh pop band, <laughs> he did okay. I just couldn't picture him doing a role like that, but obviously he, he was good enough. Well, they paid him for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the show made its West End debut on June the 11th, 1981 at the London Palladium, where it ran for 655 performances. The London cast included Michael Crawford as P.T. Barnum, Deborah Grant as Charity, and Sarah Payne as Jenny Lind. Crawford reprised his role opposite Alan Batty in a UK tour of the show, which ran between 1984 and 1986, stopping off at various venues, including the Manchester Opera House 
and a West End revival at the Victoria Palace Theatre. The tour was recorded for television and that was broadcast by the BBC in 1986. Now, I want to make a comment. Please do. About the songs that we're playing today. They are the original Broadway cast recordings. You're hearing Jim Dale and the rest of the cast. I had a listen to the West End production with Michael Crawford. I was just thinking this. Michael Crawford is a well-respected stage performer. Gosh, he did so much with uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. um, And so many other roles that he's just really excelled at. Yeah. When I was listening to the two side-by-side almost, like one after the other, Mm. there is absolutely something missing in the West End Recording. I don't know if that's a result of the process they went through to record all the songs from that show. Very possible, that too. That particular production. Yeah. Um, it's it just really lacked some oomph. Yeah, I was just thinking before you said that, that I actually visually can't imagine Michael Crawford in that role. You know, if you think about Frank Spencer... <laughs> I visually yeah, but you couldn't imagine him in the Phantom either until he did it. Well, no. Well, yeah, I just still could He's a bit Gumby. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a bit... Okay. I don't know. He speaks so well of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he doesn't. But Because I, 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 I thought, you know, I, maybe I should play the West End audio today just to give people a, a chance to have a listen to it. But in the end, I just really, really wanted to go with the... I'm going to listen to it tonight. I wanted to go with the versions that made me sit up and take notice. And it has to be the original Broadway cast. Yeah, right. Which gets back, I think, to that thing I was talking about before about magnetism on stage and having somebody that is eminently watchable and got energy and committed... You know, all of it to the role. Well, and also there's, uh, I think, something to be said for it being set in its home country. Yeah. You know, and performed in its home country. The yeah. Americans get maybe, the American. Maybe you need an it. American to play the role. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Anyway, back to the UK. There was a further revival in London at the Dominion Theatre starring Paul Nicholas and another in a circus tent at Battersea Park. Oh, I like that. Where circuses run by David Smart had previously been held uh, starring Blue Peter presenter Peter Duncan. It's a name that uh, I'm aware of, but I don't know terribly well. Uh, two-time Tony Award nominee Christopher Fitzgerald starred in a new production of the show at the Chichester Festival Theatre from the 15th of July to 31st of August 2013, and the show was not performed at the Festival Theatre because of its refurbishment. The national tour of the Chichester Festival Theatre's production opened at Curve Leicester in September 2014, ran through to August of 2015. It's oh. well-received in the UK. Yeah. It got its first London revival at the Minia Chocolate Factory from December 2017 to March 2018. Other productions have been staged in France in 1981, Australia 1982, maybe... Oh, no, I couldn't say who was in that cast. I was going to say maybe Hugh Jackman, but I think no, too soon I for think him. he has done a show, a version of it, hasn't he? No, I don't know. Don't I don't know either. Me. Madrid did a version in 1984. It's also being presented in the Netherlands, uh, back in the USA and Florida, and uh, for a second time in Australia and Melbourne as recently as 2019. Oh, okay. The show Barnum received 10 Tony nominations in 1980, won three of them. Did it? Jim Dale got the nod for his male lead, plus uh, there were also Tonys for costume and set design, respectively. Tim Dale also won a Drama Desk Gong, and his co-star, Marianne Tatum, who played Jenny Lind, the Swedish opera star, mm. won a Theatre World Award for her work. Uh, Michael Crawford, you know, I've just bagged him, basically. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I feel bad about doing that. 
He oh, won an Olivia wonderful. Award for his performance in 1981. So maybe seeing him live on stage do it was better than listening to a recording. When I mean, well, I mean that's always true. I feel yeah, true. Uh, but I think there might there could be something in the recording process that you mentioned. Maybe yeah, there I, is just, something I just there. felt like it was uh, it didn't have a lot of depth. Didn't really nail it for me. So. It was a sound engineer problem. Yeah, maybe. But it also got me thinking because you know this has been such toe tapping stuff, and the story is actually quite captivating because mm. it touches on. Uh, uh, lots of different things. Well, for one of the things that it touched on for me that uh, really resonated was the idea that uh, a couple who can be very different in their outlook and very different in their skill sets mm. can make a great combination. And when they tap into that and everything works, it's great for both of them. Yeah. But then one of them dies or they separate for whatever reason and suddenly the other one is lost. The dynamic has changed. You know, that, that is a story on its own, but there's also the whole way he mm. treated people, um, trying to maximise what he did best, which was basically living a line of bullshit. Well, that's a, I think I find it a little bit problematic that he called it humbug <laughs> and not just what it was, which is <laughs> swindling people. Yeah. Swindling and lying. But don't forget, this is the 1800s, right? 19th yeah. century. It was easy to say, hey, this is, uh, you know, an alien from wherever. And people would believe it because they, knew, right. they had no point of reference. When you see a lady with hair on her face and... So the bearded woman. How you f- buy it. How freaky is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people were up for that sort of thing. In that sort of context, understanding all of that, I think they were, it would still make a good show today. And, and as I said, uh, you know, one of the most recent performances was only a few years ago, 2019. I'd quite like to see a production of it, I think. I've really enjoyed the tracks you've chosen today. I think if it was done, you know, with the idea that this is a circus presentation, basically, it's a sideshow through wonder, most of it. I wonder um, if you could modernise really cool. it visually. You yeah. know, because I know it's set in the 1800s, but I've, I quite... You know, I don't love the idea of all the Victorian costumes that would have to go into it. <laughs> but I guess that's part of it. Oh, that's part know. of it. But you could, you could overlay some kind of 21st century stuff into that. But like kind of what they did with the greatest showman. Yeah. I'm not sure about it. But I'm, yeah, I'm definitely keen to see a production of it and listen to it. I'm going to listen to the West End version tonight because I want to know what you're talking about. Well, I you, may, you. you may have a different view of it. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. You're the, you're <laughs> the sound guy. I don't think so. And you know what I'm going to say next. That was all Mike had to say about that. <sighs> yeah. The sad and salacious story that was P.T. Barnum. Yeah. A little and bit that's salacious. The one that I suppose. Our list. Yeah. Of a hundred or so different musicals that I've we've talked about. Got to be about. coming up like, oh, yeah, just over a hundred, maybe a hundred and coming up a hundred and twenty. Mm. Oh, God, we're, we're scraping, are we scraping the bottom of the no, barrel now? There's some really good stuff to come. No, there is some Trust really good stuff. This. Anyway. Th- thank you for EFM as always. Yes, for hosting us. Thanks to Creative Waikato again for sponsoring us. We do appreciate it. If you're interested and if you're keen you can catch up on uh, backstage via accessmedia.nz you can go to iHeartRadio. let me list other ways spotify, <laughs> how do i love thee let me count the ways spotify google podcasts apple podcasts in fact wherever you get your podcasts from you're likely to find backstage with mel and mike and check out facebook and instagram if you can't fi- if you can't too. find it just by t- typing in backstage, which has happened to me, uh, add in with Mel and Mike, and you'll be able to find it. Yeah, you don't want to go to backstage dot com. That's another thing altogether. Oh, there's a I'm few. waiting for the lawyers to ring. Actually, <laughs> it's cr- yeah, it's <laughs> quite us a to cease and desist. <laughs> Mike anyway. and I will be back 
next week with another musical of the week. Definitely uh, some more roundabout theatre discussion. I think we're going to talk about stage presence. You think so? Yeah, I think there's something there. I wonder if there's um, maybe somebody we should be consulting uh, and bringing into the show to I talk about that. definitely think we can think of someone. Yeah. I'll Watch the space. Names that I could possibly tap into there. Watch the space, friends. Hmm. And our closing number today, uh, which I've chosen carefully uh, from our musical of the week, Barnum, is a track called Join the Circus. And this is the moment when um, Bailey is saying to Barnum, you know what, you may feel like you're at the end of everything, but you've got talents that I need and I think I can do what um, what your wife used to do for you and mm. be your other half, basically. So but not that, in a sexy way. And you know, the, the Bailey and Barnum Circus history is a whole nother story all on its own. It went on yeah. and on and on and if you talk about circus in the United States, you're talking about Barnum and Bailey. Well, what was the other circus that that turned into? Something else quite famous, the world's greatest circus or whatever it was that's only just closed like a few years ago. I'll have to pass on that because you know more about that than me, obviously. Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know about that. But anyway. Anyway, I've, I've been Mel, he's been Mike, you've been backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds. Yeah, see you.
Yes, tails, it's no. Mr. Bailey, you got yourself a partner. For the biggest show in the country. To the greatest show on earth. When the circus comes your Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.